Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. All righty, if you will take your Bibles and you'll open them to Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going to answer a question tonight for our Bible Line podcast. And this has really not been something that I have studied for a while until earlier this week. We had somebody comment on our YouTube channel that they were struggling with incessant blasphemous thoughts. They would just come into her mind and they would stay there and they had such a stronghold and it was just what seemed to be ceaseless. She would seek comfort and could not find it. And that comment turned into a phone call and the phone call left a voicemail and I was able to get back and and have a conversation with her. And I'm going to keep uh, her name private for, for her privacy, but she is watching tonight. And the whole purpose of the message tonight is to encourage you and encourage her in the truth. This is actually a condition that the world has labeled a condition. Now, we need to be careful before we start looking at things that are the product of sin and saying, well, I'm trapped in them. Have you ever run into that kind of temptation where maybe you have a physical ailment or some type of mental ailment and you don't allow yourself to have victory in certain areas of your life? You just automatically resign to defeat because, well, I have this or I have that. We've all run into those things before, but this specific problem is a problem with believing what the Word of God says. It's a problem with questioning God's Word. We have something very, very unique in God's Word. This is not man's writing or man's wisdom. This is, I believe, the Bible teaches, this is the very words of God to you and to me. Unfortunately, there's a great temptation to replace the personal study of God's Word with commentary of God's Word. For example, people may use our ministry as one of many gospel-clear ministries that they listen to in substitution of reading their Bible. They use this ministry and many other ministries as a substitution to actually reading the Bible for themselves. And that is extremely dangerous because I am a flawed man. And all of the other free grace teachers that I know They're flawed men too. And we will say things that will be outside of God's word. We don't mean to say it, but we're sinners and we make mistakes. But when people begin to live and die on the teaching of God's word from someone else, they're not reading God's word for themselves. The only way that we can become sharp and be able to discern what is of the flesh and what is of the spirit is by knowing what God's word says. And then going further than that and applying it to our lives. But don't you see the great temptation to just fill your libraries and fill your cell phones and your emails with devotions and podcasts and all these different things? There's a great temptation to do that. But none of those things can replace your study of God's Word. 
And so when we get into, I'm going I'm to give you this, this condition here. It's a very heady condition, like the word is big. But I want you to recognize the problem comes from not believing God's word. So we're going to talk about a condition called religious scrupulosity. Nice. Very, very big words. And I'm talking, you know, for me, that's a big word. But I want to define it to you. And I want you to pay attention to this definition. And we're going to stop a little bit here and there to kind of explain what's going on with this. This is a man-made condition. Okay? This is not something that I believe people are born with a defect, like if someone has a withered hand or a severe mental disability or, you know, something like that. I think this is a condition that is fed over doubts and fears and questioning. And then it gets categorized as like OCD for like religious OCD. And then people are now, they're trapped by it. They've given power to this when there's, there's no power to be given. Here's the definition. Scrupulosity is characterized by pathological guilt about moral or religious issues. It is personally distressing, objectively dysfunctional, and often accompanied by significant impairment in social functioning. It is typically conceptualized as a moral or religious form of OCD, although this categorization is disputable. And I would dispute that. I do not think that this condition makes you OCD. You just become trapped by the power you think your thoughts give you. And we have to be able to discern those things. And we'll talk at length about that as we get into the answer to this question. The term is derived from the Latin scrupulum, a sharp stone. This is a perfect description of what this is. A sharp stone implying a stabbing pain on the conscience. Have you ever had a sharp stone in your shoe? When we were kids, we would hike a lot. And because if, if we didn't tie our shoe tight enough, a little pebble or a stone would get in there and it would lodge right there on the back of your heel. And it would just dig and dig and dig. And if you didn't take the time to take it out, you could dig your heel raw. Or if it gets on the pad of your foot, like right there where the, you know, like the webbing is in between your feet, you could, you could do some serious damage. And I like this definition here because that's exactly what this condition is. It's obsessive thoughts. It is incessantly questioning why, 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 or what if, what if, what if. And you can't stop the thoughts because you're giving them too much power. And they go and they go and they go. You ever seen the Energizer Bunny commercials? They go and they go and they go and they go. And people struggle with this. And I'm, I'm, in no way am I saying that this is not something that people struggle with, but there is a very simple solution that just has to be practiced out through discipline. But let's continue. Scrupulosity was formerly called scruples in religious context, but the word scruples now commonly refers to a troubling of the conscience rather than to the disorder. So here's some examples of what someone with this condition, religious scrupulosity, will struggle with. They question one's salvation because of their habitual sin. They question one's salvation because of their habitual sin. And this leads to a constant retrusting of Christ. Now look, the Bible teaches that's not possible. There is no way to retrust Christ. We trust Him once and we are justified in that moment. We have to recognize that any other teaching outside of that is not contrary to what the Bible says. 
But someone who struggles with this condition will say, I can't stop this one particular sin. I've read things where people say, I painted my nails pink, and I thought this may be a whorish color. And so I told myself, I'm a whore. And then I told myself, God is not going to save a whore, and I retrust Christ. Do you see how this can just be a straitjacket of your mind? And people live in this way. It is constant. It is, it is incessant for them. It's just on and on and on. What if, what if, what if? And a major sticking point of many is they question their salvation because they can't stop sinning. The Bible addresses these things, and we'll talk about that. Here's another one. Indecent thoughts about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. What if God really wasn't the, the, the first mover? Who created God? And I'm not saying that's a bad question, but they, they dwell on the fact that they, they ask that question, they think, I must not be saved because a saved person wouldn't ask that question, and that's foolish. We all have questions and doubts in our mind. They're answered through Scripture. And you and I find peace in those answers by believing them to be the final word. Stressing about their sinful condition never being able to change. So they look at the problems that they have in their lives and they say, this will never change. I will never accomplish victory over my life in this area. And they go into what-ifs about, does that mean I'm not really saved? So on and so forth. And the last one is constantly asking what if with every piece of truth they are presented. You're passed from death into life. But what if, do you see the problem right there? The problem is I'm ex- I, I, I am accepting the hearing of God's word, but I'm not applying it. It's there, I can access it, but I don't believe it because I ask what if, what if, what if, what if. And they, they're not really looking for someone to answer their questions. They're just trapped by that, that thought process. So there are three main causes to religious scrupulosity. And this is where we get into where I think the solutions are. So far, And I researched this at length for a long time, uh, like in 2016 and 2017. And I found that many famous writers, like Spurgeon, for example, and uh, uh, I think it was John Bunyan, and Martin Luther, they struggled with these things, a questioning of God's word, and it would, it would torment their mind. And so I was, I was amazed by that, and so I studied it more, and I, brought, I boiled it down to these three things that I believe caused this problem. The first thing is it's a lack of assurance of their salvation. Because if you think you have to retrust Christ, then you think you can lose your salvation. And if a person believes on the Lord once... They're saved, but can the devil take away their joy and assurance because they're not living by the word of truth? Yes, and that does happen. Second thing is, it's a lack of spiritual discipline. Learning to walk in the Spirit. And the third thing is, a lack in the knowledge of the Scripture. They cannot learn how to think correctly because they do not know what the Bible says. And this is where, in the beginning, I told you there's a replacement of the study of God's Word with a plethora of Bible teachers. That was one thing I loved about this church. Dr. Hank Lindstrom challenged me to look in my Bible. What does the Bible say? Draw your conclusion from what the Scripture says. But today, it's everywhere. And I know we're one of them. We, we have a podcast. We have a YouTube channel. But if, if, if people want to get rid of my podcast and my YouTube channel and replace it with the teaching of God's Word, I'm fine with that. 
I'd rather them study their Bibles. So here are the biblical solution, and we have four points here, and this is where we're going we're to go back and forth in the Scripture, okay? The first thing is it, the, the solution is to recognize it is belief versus unbelief. A person who struggles with religious scrupulosity is a person who struggles with believing God's Word. Look in Hebrews chapter 4 in verses 14 through 15, page 1294. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, and we have a name of this high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That first time that we put our trust in Christ, we need to hold fast onto that, not to stay saved, but to have peace as we struggle through life with this sinful nature. These blasphemous thoughts that enter into our minds, they are a product of our sin nature, and they've all been paid for. Every single one of them has been paid for because of Jesus Christ. Hold fast onto that. Hold on to that and don't let it go. When you let it go, it doesn't mean you let go of your salvation, but you let go of your joy. You let go of your assurance. You are now holding on to yourself as if you could do anything to save yourself. Continue on in verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Here's a great definition of Jesus Christ. He knows what you're going through. I have to look people in the eyes and, and tell them, I don't know what you're feeling. I don't understand. I have not experienced this. But in that same glance, I can look at them and say, Jesus does. He knows exactly what we have experienced. Think about the, the, the time where he was in the desert uh, in his temptation. Think of all the things that were, were happening to him. He had a body that ached. He had a body that had problems. There were things presented to him from the devil. Perverse thoughts like, give up who you are and worship me and I'll give you all these kingdoms. He knows exactly what it's like to have intrusive things. The woman who was uh, brought to him, it is described that she was caught in the act of adultery. He dealt with sinners. He dealt with publicans. He dealt with the, the highest of ranking people. He dealt with the lowest of ranking people. No sin. He didn't mess up like you and I do. We can trust Him in our inability to, 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 uh, to stop sinning. Verse 16, Let us therefore, because of these things, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. Now you either believe that or you don't. It's very cut and dry. You either believe that you can obtain mercy or you think you're an exception to this verse, which the Bible does not teach. This is for all saints. Raise your hand if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Keep your hand up if this verse applies to you. It does. That's everybody. And find what? Grace to help in time of need. Now that's not talking about grace who's with us. <laughs> That's talking about the forgiveness, the mercy that is available to us when we need it. Boy, there's nothing like that. I have gone places to stores and local businesses in a time of need and they're closed because of modified hours or whatever it is. And at some point, 24-7 customer service is not available. It's never that way with Jesus. 
But if you struggle with this condition, you've got to recognize the promises that are found in this book are for you to apply. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can let Hebrews go. 2 Timothy 3.16. I, I know that you're, you are familiar with this passage, but I want to point out to you the four things that are offered here from the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, page 1281 in a church Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means God breathed. Theonoustos. It's a beautiful Greek word. It's not something uh, to be looked at as a high-minded mystical thing. God spoke through these authors, and He has preserved His Word through them. And we have those words to apply to our life. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. There's not one portion of Scripture that is not the Word of God. I mean, that's a great guarantee. So, we can get four things from the Word of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction. And for the, the person who struggles with this condition, religious scrupulosity, focus on those last two things. For correction and for instruction. Every thought that comes into your mind, I don't care how blasphemous it is, I don't care how ashamed you are of that thought, bring that thought into captivity and address it with the truth of God's Word. Now, if you don't know the Bible, you can't do that. It, it is impossible you now have a problem because now you take some psychiatrist's opinion or in some cases people have received medication for this problem and now they, they, they are impaired on making a decision. Now, I want to say as, a, as an aside, I am not anti-medicine for things, but I do think that there's a lot of over-prescription uh, over of, of problems. I, I got a great article from, from uh, Dr. Austin here who wrote, uh, who sent me an article of a gentleman who talked about the cult of medicine. People are looking for answers to their sinful problems in medication. And that's a huge disadvantage. You study the word uh, witchcraft in the Bible, and you'll be amazed that you see the word pharmakia there, which is directly where we get the word pharmaceutical or pharmacy. All I'm saying is, use discernment. If you have a problem, you should go to God's Word. Now, if you, if you busted your leg and the bone is sticking out, do you understand? You need to go get help. <laughs> but because you have incessant thoughts, you need to recognize these are a product of our sinful nature and they can be addressed by God's Word. Continuing on here, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, thoroughly furnished. That means able, equipped unto all good works. Look in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 17, page 1255. Excuse me. <clears throat> and take the helmet of salvation, a helmet protects your head, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do you want to know how you can have victory over wicked, pervasive thoughts? Memorize Scripture. BibleLineMinistries.org. Under the Resources tab, there's a Bible flashcard section. Click on that, and you have a whole list of Bible flashcard programs. Some of them have 30 verses in them. Some of them have six verses in them. And you can click Proceed after you've selected your category. And on your computer screen, a nice little 3x5 note card image comes up with the verse on one side. You click it and, or excuse me, the verse address on one side, click it, and it flips to the verse on the other side. And you just spend time there. Instead of checking up on the news first thing in the morning, 
run through the Word of God and memorize it. Apply it to your mind. This is how you protect this up here. Look, if you've got garbage coming into your mind, that's what's going to come out. If you have the Word of God coming into your mind, you are putting on the helmet of salvation to protect you from things that are trying to take your head off. Now, you either believe that or you don't. Do you see where I'm, I'm trying to just put these into two different categories? There's no middle road here. Well, maybe, but there's, it, the, the Scripture does not make any indication that there's an exception here. Look in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. This is a rebuke to these um, believers, these Jewish believers who were at risk of finishing poorly, putting themselves back under the law, walking away from the faith, not from their salvation, but from the faith, from the practice of, of, of disciplining God's Word. This is what the writer of Hebrews says to those people that don't know the Word of God as they should he says in verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. You can attain, you and I can attain a certain level of Bible knowledge, but out of a lack of spiritual discipline, we can, we can regress. We can become so far removed from the teachings of God's Word that someone's got to teach us again when we should be teachers. We should know enough about God's Word to be sharp and to be dangerous to the devil. A lot of times, though, we don't do that. We have a tendency to not do that. Continue on here. Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk. Milk is for babies. Little babies. And as babies grow, they have a different type of food source. All still the Word of God, but the basics things is that you're not supposed to dwell on the basics forever. That, that's my job too. I'm supposed to bring you meat. My job can become very difficult, especially on Sunday mornings. I have to have things ready for everybody. Imagine setting a table. You got food for the lost man, food for the saved man, food for the baby Christians, food for the mature Christians, and then over here, You've got the 46-year-old man who's in a high chair. And I need food for him too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you can change where you are in your walk by applying God's Word. The only way you can do that is by knowing what it says. The second thing here is any wicked thought a believer has cannot and will not ever be able to take them back into condemnation. It's impossible. We're going to look in 1 Corinthians here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I remember as soon as Dr. Arnold left, and I was doing, this is when he left last year to go on his two-month vacation. Um, I had a phone call. Someone, I was, I was advertising on Bible Line, and I said, if you have a question, send me your questions. And someone asked me a question about this passage. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6 in verse 9, page 1216, Church Loan Bible. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, excuse me, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And people stop there. Now this is true. All this is true because the flesh will not be in heaven. There's no one there with a flesh nature. Okay? 
Now, look at verse 12 and see the condition which you are described, you who have been put in Jesus Christ because you have believed on Jesus. Look at the condition. But, and such were some of you, but ye are washed. There's not a process of washing. There's not a to be washed. You're washed. You are sanctified. And he goes on further. This is like the greatest, but wait, there's more you'll ever see. (laughs) You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's it. It's done. It's settled. There is no wicked thought. There's no nail polish color. There is no sin that you can't get rid of that will be able to change that condition. None. Talk about power. How much thought or how much power do those thoughts have now? None. Now, this is not a license to sin, but if you don't believe that, you're going to struggle. Those those thoughts are going to come into your mind, and it's going to put a chain about you. And the devil will just rejoice in the fact that you have bound yourself. Someone gets arrested, they're not going, I I got it. And they, they, they put the chains on themselves. That's what can happen if we're not disciplined. Look in Romans. Romans, Romans, Romans. I saw on Yankee's website, he did a series called Roman Through Romans. And I thought, man, I missed my opportunity. So I guess I'll have to do one on like flipping through Philippians, but it's, it's, not, it's not the same. Everyone will know Yankee did it first. <laughs> Look in verse 31 of Romans 8. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You can put yourself in that category. You can't unsave yourself. You know, it's funny. When I type unsave on my Word document, it underlines it in red. It's like it's not even a word, but people are so worried about it. Microsoft Word preaches the truth too. (laughs) Look in verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but, circle this, delivered. It's been done. Delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. That's not my comment. That's exactly what the Scripture says. God is the one who has justified you, who have put your trust in Christ. What's the need to retrust? None. Unless you want to torture yourself and lose your effectiveness. Verse 34, Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. It's not Dr. Hank Lindstrom who's up there making intercession for us or any other saint that has gone on. It's the, the, the perfect Son of God Himself. He is the one who makes intercession for you. Your thoughts have zero power over that. There's not one thing that comes up there and says, I can knock you off of your position here. Not one. It is God that justifieth. 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are, circle this phrase, more than conquerors. The only way you can be more than a conqueror is by trusting in something that could never lead you back to a position of being captured. And that is exactly what is offered to every single person. And isn't it great that it's just by belief? 
Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now these words are written through Paul, but this is what God is saying to us. He's very detailed. Don't you like that? You see there in verse 35, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. 38, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature. He's covering all the bases. That's what you call a utility player. You can put him anywhere in the field and he gets the job done. It is exactly what God is able to do. Now we have to choose to believe that. Now we have to also recognize the internal battle between our flesh and our spirit. Look in Romans 7. Romans 7, you'll probably know where I'm going here. Look in verse 18. It's on page 1200. Romans 7, 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. So every thought that comes from the, from the flesh, it's not a good thing. It's a, it is against God. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. This almost sounds like exactly what this condition of religious scrupulosity is. You have a desire to do right, but you can't. You've got to recognize that's a problem with your flesh and there is a solution. Look here in verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, when you want to do right, when you do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Aren't you glad 25 is still there? It doesn't stop like it's going, I don't know. It says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Compare that with Hebrews 4, where we see what kind of high priest he is. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. There is a battle internally that will never cease until the day you die. And that's it. And you have to recognize that. You have to learn how to capture your thoughts. Categorize those blasphemous thoughts into two categories. You have to learn how to stop. A thought comes in. Don't panic. Grab that thought and address it. Is this of the flesh or of the spirit? If it's of the flesh, you put it into that pile and it's over. Look in 2 Corinthians 10. I know we're bouncing around quickly, but we're running out of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, page 1237. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now we're talking about bodies here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. As we see in Ephesians 6, spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm not fighting big bodybuilders. You know what I'm saying? Look at verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity. That's what we need to do with these thoughts. We need to bring them into captivity, address them with truth, and dismiss them. They have no power here. None. And that's not name it, claim it stuff. That's the application of the Scripture. Bring it into captivity, through to the obedience of Christ. You learn how to discipline your mind so you can better be obedient to Christ. But an undisciplined mind is 
disobedience to Christ. It has nothing to do with your salvation, but you will be miserable. And you have to learn that I can take a hold of these things. God has given you the power to do it. So, in closing, you want to avoid these things. Replacing the teaching of God's Word with the personal study of God's Word. Replacing God's Word, or excuse me, replacing the teaching of God's Word with, with your own personal study. If you have more Bible teachers and you're spending more time on listening to someone else read God's Word, but you're not reading it yourself, that needs to reverse. If, if, if anything, bring up your study more. Don't let someone else's teaching replace your own study. Don't give any power to those blasphemous thoughts. They are nothing more than a product of sin. You are redeemed. Look in, not, not now, but write this down. Galatians 3.13. We're redeemed. Christ became the curse for us. And be cautious of looking for solutions outside the Bible. Proverbs 14.12 tells us that. There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end of that way is destruction. And that is the carnal diagnosis of your condition. In this case, religious scrupulosity. The application of medication to this condition. Looking for some psychiatrist who does not know the Word of God and has no desire to know the Word of God to help you with a condition that is directly solved by the Word of God. That is like me going to an electrician because my toilet will not flush. It is ludicrous. If you're going to seek counsel from someone, find your pastor first. And if he cannot help you, and he's, if he's wise, he will send you to someone who can. And remember to memorize the Word of God. Ephesians 5, 19-20 tells us to speak to ourselves in spiritual songs and in hymns, giving thanks to everything to God. And in, in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 10-13, we're told that we are only revealed the things of God because of the Holy Spirit that indwells in us. So as you learn the Word of God, you've got someone who is illuminating the Scriptures as you read them. You've got to believe that. If you get in the way of that, that's, that's something that's never going to be accomplished until you stop doing that. And no medication is going to solve it. No psychiatrist can help you with that. I didn't put it in my notes, but there's a comment from a psychiatrist who said, I struggled with religious scrupulosity, and it's why I walked away from the faith. And the only way I learned how to get rid of it by was doing everything contrary to what the, uh, the Bible said I was supposed to do. Well, la ti da, what happened there? You didn't solve your problem, you ran away from it. I hope this answers that question. I know, easy preaching, hard living, but guess what? We have all the answers we need in God's Word. We cannot sit here and say, that was a great message, but I didn't really get an answer from God's Word. And you weren't listening. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> now you know, I'm not sorry. <laughs> it breaks my heart to see that people struggle with these things. And I know it's real, but it gives me so much joy to know that they can find peace. A peace that passes all understanding. And it's because of God that we can have that peace. Amen? Alright, let's go over the Gospel. This hand represents you and me. My wallet represents sin. Put this on top of my hand because we've all sinned. God, He loves us, but He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. In order to get to heaven, we have to be perfect just like God, but we all have sin. 
If we had to pay for this sin, it's a death payment, not a turning over of a new leaf or changing it into the appearance of something else. We'd have to die, eternally separated from God forever in a place called hell. No amount of good works or changing of our ways or money or good intentions, if I let this represent good works, I cannot change those things for my sin. The wages of sin is death, not of works, lest any man should boast. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He was fully God and fully man. And because God loved us so much, Jesus died on the cross for us, took all that sin that easily beset us (laughs) and gave us that death sentence. He laid it on himself, became that sin for us. He died, he was buried, and he rose again three days later. And the Bible says in John 3.16, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have something, guys. Everlasting life. And once you put your trust in Him, you are born into His family, you are adopted as children of God, you are eternally secure. He does nothing with your old nature. You still struggle with your old nature. Galatians Galatians 5 tells us that. The spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. These two are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. It doesn't change the fact that you're a child of God. It just means we have a strong sin nature. Some of us have stronger sin natures than others. Some of us have given more power to our sinful natures than others. The way that you strengthen your spirit is by the application of God's word and going to him in prayer and memorizing his word. And you will find peace. But if you don't believe that you will, you're standing in your own way. And I encourage you to look at it that way. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon. Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. 